Coming up this week, off-screen. Anna Faris goes overboard. Alex Lawther puts on a freak show. Diane Kruger gets in the fade. Society evolves in Arcadia. The story of one artist's a real boom. And get ready for a whole new world with Makia. All those to come and more, off-screen. This is... This is Off-Screen. Off-Screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Off Screen. I'm Van Gunner. And I'm Kason. Is that your impersonation of me? Yeah, it was a little bit. I think I nailed it. <laughs> you did pretty well. Smashed it. Uh, now just say a load of curse words and go a little bit mid Atlantic with it, and you'll yeah. you, you fit say, right in as me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just, just occasionally go like that. You're gonna have to trim the beard a little bit, just just after. No, that. I'm, I mean, I'm not doing that. I'll buy you one of those beard ninjas for Christmas, like I have. It's a like beard a, ninja? Have you never seen, never seen one? No. It's like in the shape of a Y. It's made of plastic and a reinforced like perspex or whatever it is, and you, you just use it as like a stencil. Oh, you never wonder how I get these lines. How I get the, the the sharp pointed lines. I thought your beard just knew when to stop. <laughs> It stops at the Tony Stark yeah. level. Don't, don't grow there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, news to come, reviews to come, box office top five to come, loads of stuff to come. Um, but I have a question for you, because I got asked this this week. 42. For, well, that is the ultimate question. Yeah, yeah. You know, the answer to the ultimate question is 42. Uh, but before we, before we get on with all that, I pose this question, and I want to ask you, and, and think, yes. by all means, just drop you know, bits of your answer throughout the show, and we can, we can deal with it more in a podcast extras. This is... Right, this is a big question. You're going to love this. Right. Your favourite films of the 21st century, right? Okay. Doesn't, they don't have to be any good... They don't have to be, like, academically good Oscar-winning films. They have to be your favourites. So I, for instance, can say Four Brothers. Four Brothers is one of my favourite really? films. Love that movie. Interesting. I, do you know, if, that's, if it's ever on TV and I'm just giving to the channels, I will stop and watch it. You're watching it. But uh, Four enough. Brothers, I love that. I love Chewie Tell for in Four Brothers. That's, I love that film. Love a bit, Chewie. Well, well, we'll get High Fidelity out of the way. <laughs> that is a 21st century film, isn't it? Like, just. Just. Yeah. By, like, six months. Yeah. Yeah, it was made in the yeah. 20th century. That's... So we'll, we'll have that for the first one, because, of course. Okay, we'll, we'll just keep going back to it, and yeah. we'll, we'll ask. Ooh, what else can we have? I know, yeah, just I'll think about it. Let, it. let it ferment in the old noodle, and yeah. uh, and see what uh, comes to the see surface. What happens. Uh, so, uh, we need to start with some film news. Mm. Uh, something to start off the week. What have you got for me, Mr. Elm? Uh, big Disney business news. Big Disney business news? We knew that John Laster was... Uh, stepping well, down, is Stepping he? down, yeah. He was having six months off for... Mm-hmm. Reasons. Special hugs. Special hugs. Wait, that's but, what he says. Yeah, that makes me upset. He literally describes it as special, special hugs, hugs, which is weird. Yeah, um, he he is he's gone now. He's he's stepping down, and yep. uh, he's being replaced by two people to do his big jobs. I guess it's like an inverse of the Ocean's Eleven theory. So it took eleven men, took eight women. Yeah, uh, you know, eight women did the work of eleven men. In the case of John Laster, it takes two people to do one, one John one Laster's job. One one woman. Yeah, it's like so, an inverse Ocean's theory. Yeah, because he yeah. he was he was the head of Pixar and he was the head of Disney Animation. Now we have yeah. a separate head of Disney Animation and a separate Pixar head. That is interesting. Yeah. Oh. So the head of uh, Disney Animation is now uh, Jennifer Lee of who, Frozen. Of Frozen, yeah, and <laughs> Frozen Two, and she's wrote. Loads of great stuff. Mm, she's done something, one of the Disney ones since. Isn't she involved in... I think, I, I think she wrote uh, Zootopia. I think that might be it. Zootopia Zootopolis, yeah. She wrote Wreck-It Ralph as well. well uh-huh. Co- 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 so she's done loads of 
good stuff. Um, Tangled, she, she was involved in loads of race things. And then the new head was of she entangled up. in Tangled? Uh, yes, she was. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> yes, she was entwined in Tangled. <laughs> Actually, she has got pretty long blonde hair. Ah, well, there we are. Uh, who's the Who's the other uh, uh, new, Pete new Doctor? Is, oh, of course. Yeah, who is part of uh, Brain Trust? He is. He's yeah. one of the big three, isn't he? Really? Well, it's. It's. I think it was. It was five. I think <laughs> was it John John Laster, Brad Bird, Andrew Stanton, Leon Cridge, Pete Doctor. Oh, I always forget Leon Cridge. Yeah. Always didn't he direct Toy Story three? Yeah, but he was also a co-director on the first Toy Story, which I, say, I think everyone yeah. kind of forgets about. I mean, he directed Coco as well recently. Oh, of course, which is a beautiful film, yeah. and everyone should see it immediately. Um, I, I would like to watch it again. I, I don't think it should have perhaps won Best Song, but... Uh, yeah, well, this is about them, not about... I know, I know. I'm just, I'm still bitter right. for The Greatest Showman, man. Yeah. Look, this hashtag this is me. Anyway. <laughs> I don't think it needs any more fans. I think we're fine. <laughs> Look, no one, not enough people have seen The Greatest Showman. Okay, more people need no. to see The Greatest Showman. No. Not enough o- bloody Oscar voters have seen <laughs> Great Showman. No, that much is obvious. Yeah. Enough uh, Rotham College students have seen Great Showman, and that's that's enough for me. No, oh, okay. Well, as long yeah. as you as long as you're making your difference in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, let's uh, let's talk about. Uh, well, let's plug the podcast first before we get to review. Do it. Um, so we got to plug the podcast edition because, as you know, we can't fit everything into the radio edit. We do try, and this week we will actually manage it as well. Really, we will actually manage to fit all six films into the radio edit, and then. They the podcast, said it couldn't be done. They said it couldn't, but we knew better. Show them better. Show them out. Um, so our podcast extras this week are going to be film news and a moment of cage. But normally, there's reviews in there too. So go along to iTunes, Acast, Deezer, TuneIn. All the po- stuff. All the goodies. <laughs> if there's a podcast platform, odds are we're on it. Well, about 90% of the time anyway. And it's on there. So um, let's talk then about our first film of the week. Let's talk about Machia. I don't know what this is. Right. You didn't know what it was last week either, did you? I didn't know what it was last week. I, knew, I Actually, last week, I didn't have a chance to look into what the following week's films actually were. I mean, oh. I knew the titles, but I didn't know what they were. Uh, Makia is, is one of these. Makia is described as a high fantasy anime animation. Okay. Can, is, can you say anime animation? Because anime denotes so. animation, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Anime is, um, yeah. Um, all right, so this comes to us. This is a debut film from Mario Kada, uh, who had comes from a writing background. She's never helmed a film before in her life. She just solely comes from writing on anime. So this is entirely new ground for her. And do you know what? Actually, you wouldn't be able to tell that in the slightest because, wow, it's actually Good job. really impressive. Big, epic canvas yeah. anime. It's, it's one of those. It's, imagine, if you will... Something like Lord of the Rings, in terms of, like, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, with, like, angels and fairies kind of a palette. Sounds good. Right. So the general gist is, you've got uh, Makia, who is an immortal. She's one of this race of kind of, like, waif, fairy-like entities. Um, they they age up until, like, their teenage years, and then they stay that age. Uh, there is, her home is attacked by an evil army, and she is uh, cast asunder into the, the human world, where she comes across a, a young baby whom she adopts, who, you know, as a, a collateral damage. The baby has no one to take care of it. Um, so Ariel, the baby's name is Ariel, sorry. And it's a boy, because I always really? think... Yeah, yeah, boy named Ariel, I know. Um... And she basically becomes a de facto mother figure to Ariel. And what happens is, as she, uh, you know, as as the years go by, and she works her way back to, you know, finding her way home and and saving saving her people, etc. Um, there's also the, the 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 personal story of her relationship with Ariel and how Ariel is advancing in years, and she decidedly is not. 
So you can sort of imagine the emotional component yeah. in that one. Um, this is, it's really, really good. It's amazingly well constructed. It's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination. It, it has probably about five endings too many. <laughs> It's very uh, Return of the King. Yes, going with the Lord of the Rings thing. It is kind of like Return of the King, where there are many, many endings. And I know I'm not alone in thinking that. There were were a few comments to that effect, which is like, how many times did that end? And yes, watching it, you do think that, like, oh, this must be the ending. Oh, no, no, we're going going there next. Okay, cool. Um, Having said that, it's never irritating about it. It's you, you, when when it, when you do think it's going to end, it goes somewhere. I think, okay, fair enough. We're just going to do that now. I'm still interested. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I really, really grew to. I really grew to love this. It was uh, very, very emotional at times. Uh, entirely subtitled. Uh, entirely. There's literally no English language in this whatsoever. And to be honest with you, I think a dub would probably kill a lot of the effect that it has, a lot of the gravitas. Um, the world building in there is it, the, the world is completely completely realized it's uh, very immersive very believe not believable but uh, you know what i mean it's a very impressive you, you feel like you're, you're in it exactly yeah it's I, I was really engaged by it and i really got into it it's a tad long i mean it scratches two hours um two i think scratches two hours um i i say i liked it i just thought maybe trim down those yeah. endings touch you off a touch too long. I mean, it takes an hour 55, and probably 15 minutes of those are endings. So. Too much. But it will send you away with a few tears. I mean, you know, at least one of its nine endings will reduce you to tears. So there's that. But it's like, very emotionally resonant, uh, very poignant at times. I thought the, uh, the the voice work in there, even though I don't speak the language, you know, I mean, you get certain emotional notes from the voice vocal delivery, um, worked for me completely. I was completely taken in by it. Um, I don't think this quite has the crossover appeal in terms of a Western audience of something like, say, Your Name, hmm. which has become the go-to in the last couple of years. In the last yeah, people years. love that film. It is really you, good. You didn't love it as much as some people. Not as much as some, but I understood why they loved it. You, that was the you thing. You love. Yeah, it's kind of like Hereditary. Like there are people who don't like Hereditary, and you you think, yeah, that's kind of I baffling can see, me a little bit. Yeah, I can see why you might not like it. I don't. I personally love it. I can see why you don't. But yeah, same thing with your I, name. I saw an incredible yeah. gif uh, that someone put on Facebook that summed up Hereditary the other day. Oh God, what was it? Describe. I, I think I might have to tell you. It was it's Emilio Estevez in the Breakfast Club, and yeah. he he's got a hoodie, and was like the toggles from the hoodie. And he's, oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I have yeah. seen that one. Yes, I wondered why I kept seeing that image. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but no. Uh, so Makia is out uh, next Wednesday. So that is uh, Wednesday, June the is it twenty seventh? I believe. Um, I think it's a single day release. It is definitely worth checking, especially if you're an anime fan. Don't miss it. Um, if it's something, I mean, you may just the plot alone may entice you. To see it and you know fair play if it does but uh, yeah i really want to with the latest film news and reviews this is off screen the on-screen radio show and we're back speaking of you know we've got our wonder woman ident on there wonder woman 1984 started filming hasn't it yeah and that's, First that's the title well. we were talking about last week we were like i yeah. wonder if that's what it's kind of called apparently it is, it is. yeah yeah but uh, those images are out and uh, Chris Pine's yeah, apparently back. Steve Trevor, um, what do we what do we think? I heard someone was theorising that mm. um, it is uh, Martian Manhunter. Ooh, because obviously Martian Manhunter can 
change his appearance. I don't know. I've seen pictures of Chris Pine in multiple different outfits from that movie. Maybe so. he just like changed to Chris Pine and was like, "This is working." For me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you could look like anyone, Chris Pine is not a bad one. It's to not about yeah. No, just be just be one of the Chris's. Be one of the four Chris's. Yeah, yeah. Be a Chris. That's yeah. it. Yeah, you would just be when, a Chris. When in doubt, be a Chris. <laughs> exactly. That's what, absolutely what you would yeah. do. Um, I personally probably would pick Hemsworth, but uh, that's just me. Oh well, most sane people would. Yeah, I'd, I'd be Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. That would be my form of choice. But after I'd spent you know decades as Robert Downey Jr. Anyway, um, so let's talk about in the face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, tell me about this. I'm not not off topic at all. Yeah, um, what the, a segue! Exactly in the fade, which is a uh, German. I think it's a German drama starring Diane Kruger. We're very uh, international show today. Right? We are. Uh, in the fade is also known as Ostdem Nicht. Beautiful language. It is. Beautiful language. Um, stars Diane Kruger as Katya. Katya is a woman from something of a, I think we're led to believe, something of a, you know, from the street, minorly criminal kind of a background. When we when we're introduced to her at the beginning of the film, uh, she's getting married to her longtime boyfriend who is serving a prison sentence, and they've literally let him have the wedding in the prison. Okay. Um, we then flash forward several years. He's been released. Uh, he's By the way, he's Turkish as well. So this comes into play in a moment. Um, a couple of years later, He's a small business owner in the Turkish district of Berlin. They have a son together. She pops out for an afternoon with her friends, and a bomb is detonated in front of his office, killing both he and their son. Yes. And, okay, just to shorten this, Peppermint without the action movie at the end. Yeah. Okay, if you've seen that trailer, yeah, basically that. So, Diane Kruger, obviously left, distraught, turns to drugs in solace to try and overcome her grief, and then, of course, there's they make an arrest, they make a couple of arrests, and there's the trial to come. And she experiences firsthand exactly how deep the injustice of the justice system can run. Uh, I'm not going to say much more than that, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's the bulk of it. We don't have a clip because it's entirely in German. And... Um, it's, it's kind of strange in one sense. We forget that Diane Kruger is German because we're yeah, so sometimes. used to seeing yeah. her in English language films. It's it's kind of like uh, Matty Shoes. Matty Shoes, yeah. Kind of like Matty Shoes. We're so used to seeing him in Western films now. I think I've only seen him in one foreign language film. That was uh, Rust and Bone. Uh, did you see Disorder? Film. Oh, no, too, yeah. Just yeah, Disorder so, so, as well. Because yeah. wasn't that Diane Kruger? I think it was. I think it was, oh, yes. Come full circle. Exactly. So this, uh, as well as Diane Kruger, this also stars uh, Dennis Machito, um, whom I've, I've looked into his IMDb page, and there's like 39 credits on there. Mm. Um, I've seen one of them. I can't remember offhand. I don't remember him in it. Uh, he's terrific in this as her lawyer, as her sort of very sympathetic lawyer, who I think becomes something of a confidant and a friend. It's a very tense, very gripping drama. It's directed by, written and directed by uh, Fatih Akin. Um, again, whose, whose work I'm not familiar with because I don't think there's a lot of work in the Western realm. And you know my knowledge of foreign films is uh, entirely, entirely run by IMDb. <laughs> but, uh, except for Disorder, which I absolutely loved. And he's getting remade in English anyway. Um, Can we just have him in it? I think we should. I think we should get Matty Shoes to reprise his role for a foreign language, for an English language remake of, uh, of uh, Disorder, which was a great movie. Uh, this I can see getting remade as well. With Diane Kruger, because she's absolutely fantastic in it. And if you ever remade this in the English language, for the love of God, Just don't recast her. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you'll get Jeremy Piven or whatever to play the lawyer, but... Uh... Oh, not not to play the Diane Kruger part. <laughs> not to play the Diane Kruger. Because they, 
they always get confused with each other. Yes, yes, clearly. I've, I've never clearly. seen them in the same room. Um, this was a film that does keep you guessing. It, uh, it likes to function as a thriller, and uh, it, it, it serves very well in that capacity. However, I actually think it works better as a straight character drama. If you ignore the twists and turns, you know, because it is, re- it is very reality-based. It's, it's not particularly far-fetched in, in how it goes about it. So, for instance, uh, the, the crime, as the, 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 the brutal murder of the husband and son, we're told very early on, this is quite clearly an act of of extremism. This is an act of of you know racial te- you know racial tensions in the in Berlin, and it's rooted in real life events. It's not actually a true story, but it is rooted within events that have taken place. So attacks like this that have actually transpired, as we're told, in the last twenty years. Um, the drama side of it is genuinely gripping. Diane Kruger is fantastic in this. I. I, genuinely, I haven't seen. I've never seen her perform this well, mm. and I mean that from all of her, her national treasure performances. Nothing compared to this. But uh, what other English language films did she do? She did national treasure, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Of course, she did. Yeah. Yes, but she wasn't the main female actress in Inglorious Bastards. She was the second stringer, wasn't she? She is. Yeah. She was also in Unknown with Liam Neeson, apparently. Liam Neeson's. Liam Neeson's, yeah. Liam Neeson's. Yeah, yeah. Liam Neeson's. And and The Host, which I think most of us have since forgotten. But uh, no, uh, absolute career-defining performance from Diane Kruger. I think she's absolutely terrific in this. Uh, But uh, I do think Dennis Pachito as well is not to be overlooked. I think his performance, his supporting role, is absolutely terrific. Um, It's called In the Fade. It's Curzon release out this Friday, uh, 22nd. Absolutely check this one out. If you like a good, dramatic thriller... Definitely check this out. I do. That's good. There you go. Good I, I, I advise you before we before we even sat down to do this. I said you don't want to watch that. But uh, so um, let's have a piece of film news before we before we crack. And what have we got? So do you remember the nineties? I remember the nineties better than most people. I'm a big fan of the nineties. You're a fan of uh, the nineties erotic thriller. I'm a big fan of the nineties erotic thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just nineties films in general. Yeah, I am partial to a 90s film. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I like, you know, Hackers, Crimson Tide, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just to name a few of my favourite 90s films off the top of my head. The two films from the 90s I pick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Hackers was one of them. <laughs> I don't know why Hackers was one of them. Johnny uh, um, Lamonic, I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, Dante's Peak, uh, Volcano, uh, uh, Bay Pigham City. <laughs> uh, virtual, virtuosity. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> that is a great one. Anyway, The Witches, which is... Was that a 90s? She's filmed The Witches. Was that like 1990? I think it was, yeah. I think it was. I think it was, yeah. yeah. Just, just in there. Great film. I, to, I was terrified. Oh, was, yeah. I was a kid. But um, that is being, um, well, I guess that's not been re- remade. There's another adaptation of it yeah. in the works. Um, <laughs> obviously, the uh, Roald Dahl book, which I used to love as a kid. Uh, well, I mean, I, it's got its fans, hasn't it? Me. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. <laughs> including you, including you, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks like Robert Zemeckis is going to direct a version of it with Del Toro producing it. That is bonkers. That's a weird pairing, isn't it? I think just get Angelica Houston back as well. Yeah, I would. Or, if you need to update it for the times, just get, you know, the next generation's obvious successor to Eva Angelica Green. Houston. Ava Green. Eva exactly. Green. Thank you. We're on exactly yeah. the same page on that, That's aren't we? You get. That is brilliant. Yeah. So this is why we work so well together, <laughs> you and I. We are workplace, workplace proximity. Yeah, she, uh, she, is, <laughs> she is Titch. She is New Morticia. She really yeah. is. <laughs> so, witches, yeah. Well, I'll look forward to them. Yeah, definitely. I, oh. I, um, I don't think we've said when it's going to be coming out. Or This is the first thing anyone's heard about it. But. Yeah, the Delta 
Katara thing concerns me a little because he has that yeah, he has famous so habit of just uh, dropping out, yeah, picking things up and then putting them back down and never picking them up again. But Zemeckis is quite good for following through on. Yeah, so. that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. But so, um, should we move on to the, the top five for this week? Okay, number five, race three. Well, I, I didn't see race one or two. I, I never saw race one or two either. I remember the poster for race two, and there was something familiar when I looked into race three this morning. There was something familiar about it, and, I, and it's because it stars Salman Khan, who is the star of the Doom series. Yes, he is. Um, he is incredible as well. To be fair. That's it. I mean, he uh, he seems to get a lot of hate online. Why do people hate oh, Salman really? Khan so much? I don't get it. I mean, sure, he's no SRK, he's no Shah Rukh Khan, but... He's easy Tom Cruise of uh, Bollywood. I'll tell you something, I looked into Salman Khan, and that man, a guy after my own heart, that guy loves his sunglasses. That guy loves a pair oh, of sunglasses. Oh, actually, is Salman Khan, is he the actor who, he, um, he ran over someone and killed them? I have no idea. We'll look into it now. We'll look into it. The, the- Hang on. If you did that, why would you star in a film called Race? About cars. <laughs> marketing. It's all about marketing. Wow. It might have been, but there was, it was a really, really big Bollywood actor that was out on, on bail for it, and then it was carrying on making films. <laughs> but, um, I'm looking into it. He was, he was, he was done, for, done for manslaughter, but then paid. So, but if, if Al Segar was getting, getting heat, it might be, that might be the dude. That might be why, because there Ooh. does seem to be a lot of hate for this online, but it's still number five in the UK box office. And they don't press show Bollywood films generally anymore. We've had one or two, and the ones we've had have been actually great. been really good. Yeah. But uh, alas, not this one. Has anybody tweeted on the matter? Have they? Yes. Um, at Vishal underscore film buff okay. says... Love him or hate him. So, ah. there we go. But at being Salman Khan is blessed with alchemy in the truest sense of the word. This is amazing. Wow. This, this, is, is, a, this is a great tweet. This is deep. Yeah. He can turn rubbish into gold. Dot, dot, dot. And this is exactly what he has done with hashtag race free. Hashtag uh, Paisa paying public loves him blindly. And we all need to respect the sentiments. Uh, junta, jun, junda, Dan. Oh, oh. I, I agree. I, I agree completely. That sounds... He, he seems to know a lot more on the subject than we do. Number four. So I might go watch Infinity War this yeah. week. I'm thinking about it. Oh, do you know what I was thinking that as well? Yeah. Yeah. I, I still need to see it again. See it for, for I've, I've only seen it like four times. I think. Anyway, I've, seen, I've seen Deadpool 2 once and that's, that's it. Okay. Uh, I, I saw Deadpool 2 once as well. Are you done? That's I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. That's done for me. I'll get it on home release. Yeah. Um, I like it. I don't. I don't want to sound like I don't like it, but I. I have no, no strong feeling to ever see it again. I'm not connected to it the way I didn't connect with it the way I connected with the first film. Yeah. And I think it's because the first film had those jagged edges. The first film was kind of scrappy, mm. if, despite the fact that it is this fifty million dollar meta superhero comedy. Yeah. It had that scrappy edge to it that this shouldn't exist kind of edge. And then the sequel feels Just so much more filed down, isn't it? So yeah. much more sanitised. Um, are you aware of a uh, YouTuber called uh, Binging with Babish? I am not aware of Binging with Babish. Um, Who is Babish and why are we binging with him? Well, first of all, his name isn't even Babish. He takes that from Babish from the West Wing. So oh, okay. Fair, fair. But um, he's a, he's a uh, filmmaker turned cook and he uh, <laughs> he, he takes um, recipes and like food from film and shows and, yes, and makes them. I have encountered this he's, man. He's the dude. Well, uh, this week he did uh, the pizza from the first Deadpool. <gasps> you know, the one with like olives and pineapple. Yes, and yeah. anchovies. Yes. Salty and sweet. Salty yeah. and sweet. He yeah. made that pizza. 
Oh my god! Yeah, I wonder how that actually tasted. Well, he, he, I'm never going to find out. He hates all those toppings, but he still made them. Oh, I'll get him. Yeah, so, has anyone tweeted? I presume a Deadpool fan has tweeted to tell us how amazing um, Deadpool is. I, I, I maybe a fan. I would say a fan. Oh, yeah. At uh, Miss Fifi Wong. Fifi Wong, obviously like uh, the wife of uh, BD. Oh, of course, of course, or, or, or at least relation. There's a, there's a few Wongs in the world. But, there's, there's a couple of Wongs. No. Yeah. Two ones uh, don't make a right <laughs> I was like, just move on to the next bit so you can't say it. Uh, so, hashtag Deadpool 2. It was funny enough, and Zazie Beats uh, was a wonderful addition. Still, I don't like how Lewis Ten and Terry Crews were essentially reduced to literal throwaway jokes. Also, Yukio. Yeah, yeah, Yukio is in there. Number three. Spin-off number two. Solo Star Wars story, which is getting... Do you know, it's one of those films that's being killed in hindsight. There's, I've, I've noticed this. In casual conversation, people are retroactively hating on this. It ain't that bad. I don't think it's that bad. It's, it's not that great. I'd say it again. I'm not, not going to see it good. in the cinema again. I'll see it when it comes out. It's good. I'll probably get it on Blu-ray to add to the collection. Of course you will. Yeah. And, you know, you'll watch it when you're doing your marathon, you know, binge sesh. I'll, I'll watch it before Nine comes out. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's that bad. I think it's a perfectly functional film for what it needs to be. The problem is nobody ever wanted this film to exist. Nobody asked for it. No, we only really wanted it when we knew the director's bill <laughs> Exactly. Because we knew that it wouldn't be functional. It turns out they weren't making something functional. <laughs> no, they were making something bonkers. and That's what we wanted. Yep, I wanted bonkers too, but alas, we did not get it. So uh, I'll leave it to you to tell me. Did someone tweet hate or love? Uh, I don't know. Let's find out together. Uh, at NatKMMR says, I just saw Hashtag Solo Movie by myself, and it was such a nice, good... Nice, good? Nice, good. Su- such a nice, good experience. Star Wars is always so positive in my life. Anyway, I'm a huge damn geek. I'm going to wear a Star Wars shirt to the bar tonight. No punctuation. N- nothing but spelling errors in that. But, you know, D- he's wearing a... D-, D-, yeah. D plus. He's wearing a Star Trek shirt to the bar. I mean, that guy is totally in late tonight. You said Star Trek. Star Wars. <gasps> Give me your geek card. I'll, I'll give you my geek card. Okay, as soon as we're off mic, you can have my geek card. But hey, you know, I'm still cooler than the guy in the Star Trek. Star Wars shirt. The bar. Star Trek. God damn. What's wrong let's, with me? Let's move on. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> Creeps you out to hear it, doesn't oh, it? Oh, God. I get a little chill. Hereditary. Hereditary. Which yeah, I loved. That's a thing. I was a big fan. I think it, I think Hereditary is to A24 what Kubo and the Two Strings is to Leica. Show your work. Right. In terms of, we've made a great movie, a great movie, a great movie, a great movie. Now here's our latest movie, in this case Kubo, that combines everything that was wonderful about all those other films and presents it to you in one singular package. This is, here's everything that's good about The Vervich, everything that's good about It Comes at Night. Yeah, if if someone says to you, explain to me an A24 film. Just show them Hereditary. Show them this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, you could do that with uh, with Kubo. Unlike it. Yeah, I knew you'd like like my example. I'm I'm trying to think of other examples for other studios, or other, like, Blumhouse, what could be... Blumhouse is an interesting one, though, isn't it? Blumhouse is quite varied, actually, in Yeah. Because obviously, I mean, really you, get, you get like your happy death days and those, but yeah. then you get a get out. Yes, which, exactly. Yeah. Huh. Well, maybe, maybe Bloom Houses is yet to come. We don't know. Maybe. Be quite possibly. Spawn. It'll be Spawn. <laughs> It'll be Spawn. <laughs> but Hereditary, I think, has got amazing performances. I think it's brilliantly made. I think it's very chilling. It's not a jump scare movie. It is all about atmosphere and tone and dread. It's a sense of dread. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you saw it presumably after we did last week. Um, I did. Yeah. When did I see it? Did I see it? 
day off. Uh, yeah, sorry, day of release. Did you so love? Uh, I did, of course I did. Um, yeah. It's difficult to like distill how I feel about it. I think it, yeah. <laughs> People are doing it in cinemas. People yes, are doing that, that, apparently, during the silent bits in cinemas. And there's a lot of silent bits, I think, as well, yes. like, adds to the dread and stuff. I think once you've seen the whole thing, I think you need to go back just to pick out mm-hmm. clues for what's coming. I'm really looking forward to it hitting home release and, and getting to see it yeah. again. There's like, been a lot of like video essays and dissections about it. That's the thing. I mean, I I had this conversation with a certain film critic who specialises in horror the other day, um, and we were talking about it. He didn't particularly like it. Uh, Well, he liked bits of it, but didn't really think it was all that. Um, And obviously, I liked it. We were talking about it. I mean, actually, the thing that I'm most impressed by is it's a film that's discussion-worthy. Yeah. And, you know, people are talking about it. Some people love it. Some people hate it. And, you know, that's that's fair. But I like that people are at least discussing why yeah, it's it didn't a, work it's for a conversation. them. Exactly. It's a conversation piece. And it's definitely a cocktail party uh, kind of topic, isn't it? Hereditary. <laughs> uh, definitely. Oh, definitely. So um, and, uh, what have we got on the old Twitter sphere? Has someone hated it? Has someone loved it? Are they with it or against it? At... Carol Maps says, well, she's ca- at Carol Maps and also Mappers. Nice. So, let's go with that. Mappers I like that. Yeah. Says, uh, just saw hashtag hereditary, and now I need to lie down, but definitely not in a darkened room, or near naked flame, or ants, or kids that make weird noises, or grandmas, or families, or houses, or pigeons, or cows, or school. I'm fine. That's how it ends. Number one. Life uh, finds a way. Jurassic Kingdom. Whatever it is. <laughs> Why wasn't it just called Jurassic Kingdom? I know, why wasn't it Jurassic Kingdom? I, I know. Want, I don't want them to hang on to... I mean, obviously, we're going to. Jurassic World, colon, Transformers, uh. cast-off title. <laughs> oh, man, I hadn't even thought of that. Well, <laughs> it really is, isn't it? You know, at some point, whilst we were, like, doing the five... Trans- well, the, the four Transformers sequels, yeah. the Fallen Kingdom was one of, like, the cast-off well, subtitle yeah, choices. quite clear. It's one of those on the, on the scrumpled-up post-it notes in the corner of the room. Yeah, yeah but a bit, like, pinned on the board as, like, a maybe. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Um, so, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. I was a little bit let down by it. I think it's one, definitely one of the weakest of the entire series. I think it's better than three and two. I don't think I was let down by it because I didn't have very high expectations for mm-hmm. it, which is, I, I, I enjoyed that first Jurassic World. Mm. Absolutely. But I didn't, I, I, I wasn't foaming at the mouth to watch this. Oh, you see, I was. Really? Yeah, I'm a huge Jurassic Park fan. Jurassic Park was one of my favourite films of all time. It was the first film I ever saw in a cinema. Really? Yeah. Ah, I was 10. <laughs> I was I was four. My dad took me. My mum was annoyed. I remember yeah. it was it was the Warner Brothers cinema in Sheffield, and there were people actually sneaking Warner in. Warner Village. Actually, uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, Warner Village? Is that what it was called? Warner Village. Warner Village. Called, yeah. uh, people were actually sneaking in, and the screen was full, and they had to sit in the aisles. Wow. And uh, I remember that, but uh, great movie. I still love Jurassic Park. And it's coming to Netflix this next month you are kidding me no Jurassic Park 1 is coming to Netflix um, but no I think the sequel though very well made and arguably probably the best made since the first one if you're going into just how it looks well we've spoken about how much it, it looks beautiful and mm. I think the direction's amazing I think picking he's an incredible director yeah I think picking Jay Bayona and giving him you know free range to just, just do horror just go and do horror with dinosaurs yeah brilliant it idea is, it is a Spanish horror film yes with, it with absolutely dinosaurs. is and that's, that's fantastic However, the story is not written by him. The story is written by Colin Trevorrow, and um, it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what? You're not wrong. Um, has someone tweeted uh, a similar message? Or yeah, um, at Colin Trevorrow says, "Screw you, Case. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm going to go make um, Book of Henry two. 
you know, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to go with as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we share the same brain. We do. So, um, at uh, chaos underscore Timothy, you never put Timothy and chaos in the same sentence, do you? We knew a guy named Timothy. He was chaos. Madness. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, best opening, best cinematography, most heartbreaking scene, best twist, best death scene, at film by owner, Knox, hashtag Jurassic World, hashtag Fallen Kingdom, out of the park. <laughs> out of the Jurassic Park, my like. And no, no, he doesn't, you're wrong. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, uh, before we do our rapid-fire segment and actually get through three films in record time, let's have another look at our 21st century films. Is there anything from the 21st century you've come up with among your favourite films? Oh, bugger, I wasn't thinking. Um, (laughs) I'll chip one out if you like. Yeah, give me one. Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, interesting. I love that movie. Okay. Should have been a franchise. But, uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean got it, so uh, screw Nicolas Cage, right? Gladiator. Gladiator? Yeah, that counts. I think that counts. Is that summer 2000? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm going for my favourite films of 2000. (laughs) You really are. You're going just for the year 2000. Gladiator, yes, that is a classic. Yeah, yes, yes, definitely. That's that's academically good as well. Yes. Like, academically, Gladiator is good. I'll I'll think of some that everyone else hates, but I love now. I'll try to think of those ones. G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. You an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) On which notes? So Arcadia, which is a documentary, well, less a documentary and more an actual outright uh, outright art piece uh, from Paul Wright. And this basically explores our relationship with the land. And it sort of spans sort of the 20th, 20th century onwards. And it's just how we as a, well, maybe before that as well, um, just how we as a culture, how we as a society mm. have adjusted and amended our relationship with the natural world, but within a British context. Uh, I'll tell you what, we have a clip, and I'm going to... This has got a bit of music to it. There is a reason for it, and I will explain once we've heard it, but this is uh, this is archival footage of young boys being interviewed uh, by, I think, the BBC, just about why they like to play in the woods. Russell, why do you go around with Victor and not with someone else? Because he's a right comic. What way? He's always doing deaf things. Does your mum know what you get up to when you come down here? No, my mum does. She will do with you lot, so I'm just not telling. The music in there is a very, very big part of it. And the music comes to us by Adrian Utley from Portishead and Will Gregory really? from Goldfrap. Ooh. So I mean, I, both I, of those. I don't care about Goldfrap, but Portishead. Yeah. And musically, right. it's astonishing. Like, I, I could have just, I could have literally just listened to the film, not looked at it, and, and still enjoyed it. The, 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 the music underneath it was fantastic. Um, the film itself is something of, <laughs> something of a victim of its own success in wanting to function as a sort of art installation for, you know, the 80 minutes, things are like 72 minutes that it lasts. 
it succeeds so well that actually you feel wrong watching it on a cinema screen and you feel like you should be watching this projected onto a white wall in a gallery somewhere. Right. And you feel like if this were, if, if there actually were some sort of exhibits about this subject and this were a sort of centerpiece in the middle of it, it would feel exactly at home. If it was the Arcadia exhibition and then in the middle of it was a small screening space in which you watched Arcadia, it, that's exactly where you would expect to find this. Um, it's a little bit obvious. It uses seasons as a sort of, as a structure for the actual piece itself. It doesn't make any grand or profound points. Certainly nothing that you've never really considered yourself. And, but, but having said that, it's so immersive and it's so sort of lively and particularly on the musical front that you kind of do fall in love with it. And yeah, I'm going to call that a win. Freak Show. So Freak Show, which is, believe it or not, directed by Trudy Styler. Really? Yes. Mrs. Sting directed this. That's what it says on a passport. <laughs> Mrs. Sting. Mrs. Sting. When she gets posts, it's to Mrs. Sting. Exactly. That's exactly what comes through her letterbox, yes. Um, but that's not all. No, no. Don't go there. <laughs> I'm sorry I paused at that moment. Right. This stars Alex Lothar. Stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> this stars. Don't you know this about Sting? He likes tantric sex. He does. He does. Um, this stars um, Alex Lawther, whom you may remember as the young uh, Alan Turing in the Imitation Game, and also the slightly older Christopher Robin, the sort of middle point Christopher Robin in Goodbye, Christopher Robin. He's also in that Netflix series, The End of the Effing World, which I've not watched a single episode of, admittedly. Is he the lad from Downton? I, do you know what? I would not be terribly surprised. No, I've not no, checked that, no. but it would not surprise me. Maybe. Right, so this is uh, this is the story of a teenage boy named Billy Bloom, who has been raised by a single mother, Bette Midler, and nice. raised, raised as effectively a sort of one-man cabaret act. That's how he sees the world, because his mother is a natural performer. He's always out, out in the world, strung out on something or other, performing. That is that is the life he has, been, he has grown up accustomed to. He is sent to live temporarily with his father, whilst his mother is in, well, we presume in rehab, and he goes to... A new high school. As soon as he enters the high school, he immediately falls foul of the it girl, the popular girl, played by Abigail Breslin, and finds solace in two friends, one played by Anna Sophia Robb, who I was shocked to find out is now 25 years old. Shut the front door. Really? I know. I, I, I thought, hang on, she's about 10 years old. When did she become 25? But apparently, yeah, she became 25 at one point. Um, you've also got, I'm trying to remember, I think it's Ian Nelson as his, his, as his, uh, his closest male friend. And because of his natural, uh, his nat- well, I should tell you what, I'll play the clip and you can hear exactly what the response to his natural Adam Ant-like persona, how that goes down. Hi. So I am Billy Bloom. I just transferred here from Darien, Connecticut, the hometown of Chloe Sevigny. <laughs> Hello. And I realized, for me, it was already over. That is a fantastic tee you're wearing. Got to sh- touch me again, I'll kick your ass. Oh. 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 So obviously it doesn't go down well. Um, I think his performance at the centre of this is great. Um, I thought Bette Midler did quite a bit with what's effectively a cameo. I think the unspoken star of this is Abigail Breslin, who... Abigail Breslin takes on a sort of similar role to Mandy Moore in that movie Saved, if you ever saw that. Uh, in fact, the whole film... Yeah, I think I did, actually. Yeah, the, the Christian high school drama was actually pretty good. Didn't it star Patrick Fugit, I want to say? Yes. But anyway... um, 
basically, you could describe this as election meets saved was basically how I would describe this film. The whole general gist is that he runs for homecoming queen as, as a, you know, it's never actually explicitly stated that he actually is gay. He's just incredibly flamboyant and effeminate. Although you would assume he's meant to be gay because there's a very ramped up LGBT component, LGBTQ component to this, including Laverne Cox turning up. And you know how a movie can only be so Scottish before Peter Mullen turns yep. up? A movie can only be so gay before Laverne Cox turns up. Yeah, that's, that's the new bar. <laughs> that's the new bar. And Laverne Cox... Are we allowed to say bar now that Roseanne's off here? Yes, yes we are. Um, are we, we're taking it back. <laughs> we're taking the word bar back, but only with one R. Um, I think his performance, though, I, I really like him. I really like Alex Lawther in, in anything. I'm just, I'm just a fan of his name. He was in Black Mirror at one point as well. I forget which episode now. Um, but yeah, I had a great time with this. It didn't go down brilliantly across the board. I know it was very hit and miss with some critics. I personally liked it. I couldn't speak too much to uh, Trudy Styler's directorial prowess because it seemed very workmanlike. But... Italy Day, it worked for me. Boom for real. Sadly, not the autobiography, uh, not the biography of the uh, the Out Here Brothers. But uh, right, so this is the late teenage years of Jean Michel Basquiat. Yeah, Basquiat. Is that how you say the artist? Basquiat. Basquiat. I'm the, not the one that um, uh, Bernard from Westworld played. <laughs> yes. What's, what's, his, what's, his, what's his name? Oh, uh, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey yeah. Wright. This is his teenage years, and to be honest with you, it, this plays largely like. I tell you what, we've got a clip. Hang on, I'll, I'll play you a clip, and this is sort of casting an image as, as to the world that this future artiste emerged from. But I knew that Jean was not one of the writers. He was never really a graffiti artist, you know. I mean, he was not part of the culture, you know. I mean, there was a, a way we dressed, the way how we spoke. He wasn't part of that. Well, graffiti, I mean, anyone that's scribbling something on the wall becomes graffiti, you know, being black and writing words, he's tagged as a graffiti artist, but that was his canvas, you know, he didn't really have a place to live, so if he wanted to create something, he put it outside in the wall, right? So it is about how uh, a place can define a person, how that's surrounding, and it is a very vivid picture of of New York in that late 1970s, early 1980s era, you know, in that, that point in which the Lower East Side of New York basically became a war zone and, you know, where John, Car- John Carpenter clearly got most of his ideas from. <laughs> exactly like that. Um, I did think it was quite in-depth. For me personally, I don't know enough of, uh, of Jean-Michael Biscard uh, you know, as as an, as a man in his own right, I just know that so, Jeffrey Wright played him. That's all. But that's remember. it, and I come from a similar similar sort of sense with that. There's not an awful lot about him himself. It is more about the place. It is a document. It's a documentary about the place rather than the man from whom you know emerged from it. Um, that's it. I was intrigued by it, and I did. I wasn't bored at any point, but I did question exactly wh- how much relevance a lot of what had to, well, what A had to be, kind of thing. Um, it does seem like, for instance, a lot of the biographical parts of it do seem to get squeezed more into the back end of it when they sort of feel a need to make it more relevant to come to something, go circular, and actually build this to a point. Um, like I say, I wasn't bored by it. And I thought it was quite a well-made documentary, and the stuff in there, like about New York at that time, that was genuinely fascinating to me. And if that's something that would fascinate you, then by all means go and see this. I'm easily fascinated. You easily fascinated. Well, that that helps. And so go and see Boom for Real, the late teenage years of John Michael Baskett. And uh, I think you'll be in for a good term. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, um, well, how else to say it? They've remade Overboard. 
Cool. Why? I don't know. I mean, I presume money. I mean, yeah, but is there an audience for it? I know. Is is there a huge clamoring for it? Yeah. Are they going to make a huge amount of money? I'm not entirely sure. But either way, it's been remade. It's here. Right. So the whole thing is because it's 2018, Hmm. they've they've gender flipped it. Yeah. Ladies can do stuff now. But that's the thing, including B. Kurt Russell. (laughs) Including B. Kurt Russell. So you have a female Kurt Russell this time, and a and a male Goldie Hawn. So, although I'm just going to say the male Goldie Horn is nowhere near as pretty as the female Goldie Horn. No, he he does seem just like a weird. Like I'm I'm not I'm not fully against this. This is an idea. Yeah, I'm against this as a cast. Right. Um, the film is bizarre. I mean, first of all, it's it, well, actually, let's just go with the plot. Let's just go with the plot first of all. Okay. So, um, Anna Ferris, not Anna, Honor. Honor. As in on her Ferris. Um, Anna Ferris is uh, a young single mum who wants to become a nurse, doesn't have time to study, etc. She keeps having to take menial jobs. Uh, one day gets uh, you know a gig uh, cleaning carpets for a spoiled playboy million, you know, billionaire on his yacht, um, and she's fired and humiliated. He then has an accident and falls overboard, hence the clever title. Um, he wakes up on a beach with amnesia. He's played, by the way, by uh, Eugenio Derbez, or Derbe, I'm not sure, um, whom, to be honest with you, you won't know. No one knows who he is. He's Is he on he's, some he's, sitcom or something? No, he's um, he started to become a thing. Is he a thing? In in the Americas. Right. I'm not actually sure how, because he's terrible in this. Anyway, um, so she, she discovers he's got amnesia. She comes up with a grand scheme where she convinces him that they are actually married and brings him home and basically teaches him a lesson, you know, as in, like, humility, but also actually get something out of him in that he goes to work and makes makes the money for them on a construction site working for her friend's husband and um and in the meanwhile you know he's also someone to look after the kids as well she can actually get time to study here's a clip that's going to set the quality level kind of nicely for you look 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 i admit there are many things i've forgotten but from the depths of my soul i know i'm not married to this woman so unless i see some real proof i'm getting a slice of pie at the cafeteria Hmm? Good luck, crazy lady. Wait, 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 honey. I didn't want to say this because I know it embarrasses you, but you have a tattoo of a cartoon mouse on your right butt cheek. No, I don't. You're really my wife? For better or worse, baby. Mostly worst. But, uh, yeah. So, this goes on for an hour and 52 minutes. Um, Not a single person I've spoken to about it will admit to having laughed at any point. I didn't. Um, I literally just sat there in stone-faced silence at this, gobsmacked by the idea that, A, anyone would remake it. B, anyone thought this was any good. C, it was released. D, Anna Faris is in it. And also, there's a, there's a weird racial component to it that I can't quite place. The movie's set in Oregon. Everybody in the movie who isn't on a Ferris is Hispanic. Hmm. This is never explained. There is no logical reason for it. I can't quite get you why. Would, you would think Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. They'd all look like you. They'd all be... Definitely. They'd all be in flannel. Yeah, they would. Yeah. My kind of people. 
They'd do double denim, some flannel. I don't I'd never wear double denim. I know you personally wouldn't, but right now I'm wearing something that looks like double denim, but this shirt is actually faux denim. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, yeah, faux denim, faux denim, of course, okay, of course, right. of course. <laughs> uh, No, it's uh, it's incredibly sloppily written. Uh, there's not a single gag in it, and I do mean not a single gag in it. But it's a, it's a comedy. I've heard it is allegedly a comedy. It's also allegedly a romance. It's a film that you can't quite wrap your head around the existence of, you, mm. the conception of. There are references to the original film. There are... So shared universe. So shared universe. There are references to Goldie Horn in there. So like, oh, this happened to a woman in the 80s. You're like, yeah, and it was more interesting when it did. And you come away from the whole thing thinking, this doesn't make any sense. Logically, it doesn't work as a film in the 21st century. The plot mechanics simply do not line up. How, in the age of the internet, this billionaire is walking around and nobody recognises him? Again, beyond me. I mean, obviously, you know he's going to get rumbled at some point. He's going to get how discovered. Does he, how does he become a billionaire? Is it a family thing? Oh, he's a corrupt construction company owner who, you know, cuts corners and makes cement bags that are too heavy and to save money. Right. It is... One of the dumbest movies you've ever seen. And bear, bear in mind for a second, this stars Anna Faris. Mm. Anna Faris could launch her own Legally Blonde-style franchise tomorrow if she decided she simply wanted to make House Bunny sequels. She simply doesn't. I'm, su- I'm surprised that they never made I know. More. I know. Yeah. yeah. You're like... That how- film's actually pretty decent. I like the House Bunny. I yeah. love the House Bunny. And coincidence, I watched Legally Blonde the other day. Yeah? Yeah. Right. Here's the interesting thing as well. You can't help but think. In an, in an alternative universe, there's a version of this movie that instead of Eugenio Derbez stars Chris Pratt. Yeah. And that's a version I would have been more... When they were married, obviously, not in the last year, right. but when they were, when they were together, you've that's... Got, you've got your parallels of... You need that yeah, chemistry. And they don't have chemistry at all. And that's quite simply because he is ludicrously bad in this. Yeah. And I mean, not a single line sounds like it was spoken by a sentient human. It's a shame because he is... Hernandez, you son of a bee from Geostorm. Is he? Yeah. Oh, God, he is. He's the guy Hernandez. on the space station, yes. Who, like, comes in right at the last minute. And- <laughs> yeah. I do, I, do you know what? He's, he's, got no, he's not got that jumpsuit on. That's what he is. I, I recognise him without his jumpsuit. Yeah. Mind you, he did kind of suck in Geostorm as well. Everything kind of sucks in Geostorm. <laughs> <laughs> Including the storm yeah. itself, because, yeah. But, like, it all, like, sucks in equal amounts. So it's that thing where, like... Because it's all bad, it's all great. Put it this way, Overboard is a film so unfathomably terrible, I can genuinely put my hand on my heart and say, Ava Longoria is the best thing about this movie. Now just imagine how the planets have to align... And exactly yeah. what kind of disgraceful universe we have to live in for me to actually be able to say Ava Longoria is the best. Ava Longoria, female lead in the movie Over Her Dead Body, <laughs> is the best thing in this movie. Lest we forget. Lest we forget. No, it's, it's bad. It is really, really bad. I mean, it's got, it will bomb. This will absolutely bomb. It is a film that makes you think, good lord, that splash remake is coming. Please let it be better than this. Oh, sploosh. Sploosh, yeah. Um, that, that's got to be better. I mean, at least that has Channing Tatum in it. Has that got a release date yet? No, not that old. Because uh, I kind of, I'd forgotten about it. <laughs> I didn't know if it was still making it or not. Just don't see Overboard. I mean, it, it, it's directed as if it's an episode of The Big Bang Theory. It's kind of that pedestrian, oh, pedestrian comedy. I mean, it looks like a sitcom. 
It really does. Um, despite the fact that one of the characters is a billionaire, you only see, like, this yacht, which quite clearly one of the producers owns. Yeah. Like, the producer has just loaned, loaned them his yacht, and they've just put, like, a, a, a decal yeah. on the side. You know, it's one of those. It's clearly made on the cheap. It's clearly made without any effort whatsoever. It's clearly made without any consideration as to what, in any universe, necessitates a romantic comedy. It is utterly appalling. We don't do star ratings. This wouldn't get a star. I mean, it stars Anna Faris, so technically it hasn't got a star anyway, but, you know, still. Oh, leave her alone. <laughs> I know, she's had enough time. Oh. Okay, so let's, let's, just, uh, let, let's just wrap it there. It's not film of the week. Shocker. I know, I know. God, God help us. Um, I'll be really honest with you, I haven't stopped to consider what's film of the week this week. Uh, maybe, Pete, maybe Freak Show? I mean, Book Club is still out, so we could just give it to Book Club. We again. could. No, In the Fade. In the Fade is film of the week. Okay. There you go. If you're going to see a film this week, go and see In the Fade. So go, uh, go to a Curzon. Go to a Curzon. Yeah, yeah. Go to a Curzon because it's there. Um, <laughs> if you're at a multiplex, see literally anything else that isn't overboard. Yeah, you don't even have to watch Just go buy a ticket for something else and no, walk, just, walk away. Yeah, buy a ticket for Hereditary. You don't have to see Hereditary. Just buy a ticket for Hereditary and leave. Yeah. That's that's fine. Someone can just someone can just put their coats on that seat. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we need more coat chairs. We need more coat chairs. And systems. I think coat hooks on the back of the chair in front of you would be a good idea. Solid idea. Yeah, solid idea, isn't it? But, uh, no, um, in the fade. Hereditary, if you're going to go for last week. What have we, what have we got next so, week? Oh, next week. Okay, interesting stuff next week. So, next week we have The Endless. Okay, don't know an awful lot about that one. We've got The Bookshop with Bill Nye and Emily Mortimer, I believe, as well. Uh, not, not connected to Book Club. Not connected to the Book Club. Although, there's a, there's a box set coming out of all this, of all this isn't it? We've got Book Club, oh, Bookshop. We just need another. Yeah. What was the one? The book? No, the, the Holocaust one. Book Thief. Book Thief. Book Thief. There, there we go. Book Thief, Book Club, Bookshop. Book oh, my God, we've done, done it. it. Thank you. TK Maxx, you are welcome. <laughs> TK Maxx and Matalan, we, we, we take requests. Anyway, uh, Leave No Trace with Ben Foster. That's next week. Ah. Vagabond is next week. Uh, Sicario 2, Soldado. Is it Soldado or Day of Soldado? Because I've seen... I'm not sure. I don't know if it's like... If US have got a different title, because I've seen Day of a Soldado. It is listed on the database they give to film critics. It is listed as Sicario 2 Soldado. Soldado. We also have Adrift next week with uh, Shailene Woodley and Sam Claflin. Shailene and her Woodleys. Yes, which we've never forgotten. Uh, Tag is next week. Oh, yeah. Believe it or not, yeah, which I've been so. looking forward to. If you've never heard the true story behind this Warner Brothers comedy, absolutely check out that true story because it's deranged. Mm. And also, the film can't possibly be as insane. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be like Argo, where they leave the more insane stuff out the actual film. Yeah. So we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been the Caddy Store Brookshire on screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been Patrick the Pug. And <laughs> we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay, We forgot a fantastically ludicrous piece of film news. What is Chris Bridges doing now? <laughs> show dogs too. Anyway, um, Kevin Spacey, remember him? He used to be in films. Yeah, and he's yeah. still got another film. He used to be in films and Young due Boys. To be released. But, no. oh. Allegedly. Allegedly. I hope you feel good about that. Well, I feel better than the Young Boys. Anyway, uh, so you know there's this whole thing that uh, we've basically tried to erase him from Hollywood. Yeah, he's got a film coming out. He's got a film Is coming it out. Billionaire's Breakfast Club or something. <laughs> Billionaire Boys Club. Yeah. 
Do you not know the story behind it? Behind it? Behind, behind it in the first place? I do, and I've and I've watched the trailer. Isn't it Ansel, Ansel Elgort in the movie? Isn't it? And Taron Egerton. And Taron, and run. Emma Roberts. I think so. It's got a hell of a cast, but. Kevin Spacey. Yeah, Kevin Spacey's front and centre in it. And, uh, well, you know, not everyone can afford to just take their film back to the drawing board and just insert Christopher Plummer over the course <laughs> no. of a Thanksgiving weekend. Not everyone can do that. And not everyone can afford to keep no, overpaying no, Mark Wahlberg. It's the riddles. Exactly. Um, so, they're just going to release it. But they're going to release it after the fact. They're going to put it out on VOD for like six weeks. Wow. Then they're going to release it in theatres. And the justification they've given is, yes, but we made the film before those allegations. A lot of people have worked on film. Yeah, that one. So yeah. it's, got, it's going to be the same things that uh, Ridley Scott and the producers of All Money in the World said, but they're not going to do what they did. Exactly. So they're, they're saying the right things, but not quite doing the right things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the weird part is, I'm really looking forward to that movie. I was before the whole Kevin Spacey thing. I was really looking forward to this. It's, yes, it's, it's a great story. story. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, uh, it's now going to be marred somewhat by uh, <laughs> this, uh, let's just say, dark cloud hanging over it. A dark, roofied cloud. Anyway, what else have we got this time? Um, I, I know it's not really film-related, but uh, apparently there's going to be less of a gap between Rick and Morty seasons, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Um, because of Comcast, by the way, I love this story. You know Comcast are trying to poach Fox yes. from Disney? Was it something like $65 billion or... I think it was 62 Was it 62 or 65 In fact, I think it was 52 Disney offered Fox $52 billion. How have Comcast got that much money? Right. Well, have they got a rich uncle that's just died? <laughs> have they got a... Family money, man. Family money. Have Comcast got to spend the night in, a, in an old uh, Transylvania mansion? Well, they're the, they're the Connecticut Comcast. That's what it is. Oh, of course. So, you yeah. know, of the Connecticut Comcast. Uh, no, the... Um, right, so the way it worked was Disney offered Fox, I think it was $52 billion in, uh, 52 billion in stock, right? Not for, for all of their assets. Comcast then hit back with, we'll give you 65 cash. Yeah, in now, cold hard cash. We'll get you... In- a giant briefcase. Well, they also then specifically targeted each individual person on the board of Fox and actually went and got in touch with them and tried to convince them, we're better, we're giving you cash. Screw Disney. Oh they God. actually tried this. Disney didn't really have an awful lot to worry about because, you know, the board kind of just wanted to be part of Disney. It wasn't really about the money. It was about, we want to be part of Disney. Mm. And to be fair, given the associations the Fox... Fox organization seems to have of late yeah. you can kind of understand why they would want to separate from their news division mm. right why they would want to separate from fox news specifically specifically the last three days but uh let's just say kids in cages and leave it at that but uh, anyway disney have had to up their offer sorry to just wait for a second what is the official title of those Cages. Cages. They've been given... I'm not sure. They've, they've given him like an actual title and it made me sick earlier and I forgot what I'm it. pretty pretty sure they're just detention centres, aren't they? I'm not sure. It was like something refuge or I need to... <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, they've now offered, believe it or not, $71.3 billion in cash and stock, 50% of each. Really? Yeah. So I think we can we can safely say goodbye the uh, the, the Comcast thing. There is a rumor that Comcast may may offer eighty, but uh, we shall see. Um, yeah, those uh, uh, shelters have been called uh, tender age shelters. What? That sounds a bit rapey, doesn't it? It's horrible. Yeah, a bit. 
Uh, apparently, Trail for Creed 2 will be out today. Yeah, the post was yesterday. yesterday yeah. Um, can we talk about the worst advertisement any film has ever put out for itself? What has Kevin Spacey done now? Actually, not Spacey. Travolta. Oh, I love it. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big fan of it. Right, so this is the... Tra- this is the, the it's, it's not even a trailer. It's a Twitter ad. Yeah. It's basically a GIF for the movie Gotti, which opened with... Is it, it opened... It made 1.08 million in its opening weekend. Yeah, it had zero on... Zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. After 26 reviews, because they didn't properly pressure it. God. Yeah, imagine that. They didn't properly pressure it, and then had the unmitigated balls to put out an ad on Twitter that said, audiences loved Gotti. Yeah. Critics took out a hit. Oh, you don't listen to the critics. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what they said. There was a thing that wasn't it, um, are you going to listen to yourself or some troll behind the keyboard? That's exactly what that's they my, said. Who would you one. rather believe yourself? And this is all the same ad. Yeah. Gotti out now. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm not really sure that was the right angle to go for with that one. To oh. be honest, it seems a bit <laughs> needlessly aggressive. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it because I want to see just how bad it is. Oh, it gets better. You know that it was 1.7 million in its opening weekend. Sorry, 40 percent of its gross came, came from, from Movie Pass. Yeah, who uh, own a stake of the movie anyway. So. How invested yeah. in the Church of Scientology are movie pass? Yeah, one wonders. One one really wonders exactly what uh, what that relationship work. Um, we're getting a Sammy Davis Jr. biopic. Who's it coming from? Lorenzo Di Bonaventura. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, love that guy's name. It's great, isn't it? Um, I was I was I, I was set to meet him for a for a, a junket years ago, and so, he cancelled. A spider junket. It was always involved in Spider-Man films. No, it wasn't. It was... Lorenzo de Bonaventura. It wasn't a Transformers movie. I know that one. I forget what movie it was. But yeah, he was he was set to show up and he never did. But uh, meanwhile, Sammy Davis is getting his biopic. Yeah. Uh, who would you, you get? I have no idea, but I'll tell you something that's going to confound you a little bit more. Go on. Who do you get to play Marvin Gaye? Um, ah. You get uh, Jesse L. Martin uh, from The Flash. From and, the Fla- and he's already played him. And he's, yeah, he has. Did you know that Dre's producing this? I did, yeah. That is, I mean, that's great. Like, not only has he got to look like him, he's got to sound like him. Oh, yeah. That's that. That's going to be really hard to find. <laughs> I mean, unless you call Jesse up. But Jesse Lamont's like pushing 60. Yeah. So <laughs> And mm. Marvin didn't get that far. <laughs> yeah, Marvin didn't make it that far. That's kind of the, tr- the whole thing. Unless you get him to play his dad at this point now. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, speaking of, did you know uh, Reg E. Cathy's final role is in Luke Cage this, this week? Uh, I think I did know that. Actually. As yeah. his dad. I didn't know he was playing his He's dad. He's playing his dad. Reggie, That's very cool. Which means, finally, <sighs> Reg E. Cathy got his Marvel role. Yeah. We always said, didn't we? He was Reggie in Fantastic uh, Fan Four Stick. Hey, yeah. He was kind of in Fantastic Four. <laughs> Who was it? There was a, a tweet the other day that said, just think, in an alternative universe, by now we'd have had Fan Four Stick 2 and Amazing Spider-Man 3 and 4. Yeah. That is a weird world. There's some parallel world where people are in an even worse time. Because <laughs> Trump didn't win. Oh, yes. Imagine that. But her emails. Anyway. Um, exactly. She should be burned at the stake for having a <sighs> Gmail Lock account. her up. Lock her up. Yeah. Lock her out of her accounts. <laughs> Insane. What a world we live in. Anyway, um, speaking of world we live in, did you read a certain interview with uh, Toby Emmerich, the head of Warner Brothers this week? I know. I, I, I didn't, but was it... Was it? It's all fine. And also, is that is that the head of Warner Brothers? Because it doesn't doesn't seem to be shifting like every week, or at least the head of DC. 
Oh, no, no, sorry. The, yeah. D- right. DC and Warner Brothers film is... But it, Toby Emmerich was the head of New Line and then took over Warner Brothers. I think the company head is still Kevin Sujahari. But he like, like, he's the chairman. He's the chairman of Warner Brothers, Toby Emmerich. Did an interview with uh, EW <coughs> and yeah. uh, with Entertainment Weekly. I don't know why they call it EW. Just Entertainment Weekly. It's always been Entertainment Weekly. Anyway, um, the interview was specifically about Aquaman. And it reached. Do you remember the uh, the interview a few months ago with uh, who was it that did the, <laughs> the interview that we really loved, in which he just went off on tangents? Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones. Yeah, we have found the number two rank holder to that interview. Oh, let's get him to interview each other. Oh my god! So this is Toby Emmerich, who got asked what they've learnt from the comic book genre, and his answer with a straight face was, "Good movies work better." Yeah. When asked... At least why, be honest about it. Yep. When asked, why is Aquaman coming out on December 21st? Simply said, I didn't pick the date. When asked, why did you hire James Wan to do Aquaman? Replied, he's a franchise bu- uh, franchise maker and a world builder. Yeah. yeah. Also, why are we not referring to it as Aquaman? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. From, why from, we, from here on in, it's Aquaman. Why, do you know he has his own pop figure now? Yes, I saw what today actually. with the purple streaks in his yeah, hair and everything. Yeah, good. yeah, I like the like director. I really want to get the GDT one. It's adorable. Can I tell you about a colossal Kirby enthusiasm style faux pas involving James Wan? Of course. Right. Uh, when was Insidious three out? It was about two, three years ago. Yeah, years three ago. years ago. I well, went. We've had a fourth since then. Haven't we? We've had a fourth. I haven't seen the fourth. Last key or something. <laughs> something like that. It's the one with the key fingers, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, so when Insidious 3 was out, uh, I went with John Dickinson to an, an event for the film. Like, prior to the release of the film, John Dickinson and I went, got shown the film, and then we went to a seance hosted by E1. Yes. Right. And all mumbo-jumbo, not really the kind of thing I, I go in for, but they were doing a, an Oculus Rift virtual reality experience in which you went through the experience of, of, cool. of Insidious. And Lee Wanell turned up. I love Lee Wanell. I love Lee yeah. Wanell. I was over the moon to meet Lee Wanell. And, uh, you know, he, he likes a chat and a drink. We hung out for like 15 minutes and we were talking about the life of horror directors and how, and I didn't know this, they have like a monthly meeting, they have a little club. Like when you. Like in, a magician's circle. Like a magician's circle. When you emerge onto the horror scene you get invited into this club and it's got oh. people like Rob Zombie in there and, and like Gilmore Toro and people like that. And they just, they meet up like once a month at a restaurant in LA and just hang out, shoot the shit. You know, that's how it works. Anyway. That's cool. That's amazing. It is, isn't it? Wouldn't you love to be the waiter at that function? Yeah. I'd, I'd serve them all like chilled monkey brains. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Uh, but this is the whole thing. And he was talking about James Wan. And we were talking about like his friend, James Wan, because obviously they came up together through yeah. the Saw franchise. And he was talking about like, you know, he was saying, I'm so over the moon for James. He's got, you know, so much great stuff coming up. I'm like, yeah, man, he's got, he's got Star Trek coming up. And uh, <gasps> right. What mistake did I make right there? You just did it. You know, what mistake did I make? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your face. I know. You picked the wrong Asian American filmmaker? I did. Oh. I, I referred to Justin Lin in place of James Wan. Only when I was like, bye, I'm going to go make upgrade now. No, he just, he, just, he just sort of like furrowed his brow at me. He was like, is he doing Star Trek? This guy never tells me anything. And just and just moved on. Just, he just left, it. left it in the conversation. Yeah. And we just talked about something else. It's like, never tells me anything. But uh, yeah, I know in hindsight, I messed up. Mea culpa. I'm sorry. In my defense, both are brilliant directors. 
both definitely Justin Lin and James Wan are brilliant directors. They both have J names. To be fair, but and didn't they both work on Fast and Furious movies? Didn't uh, Justin yeah. Lin direct yes, most? That's of them? true. Yeah, and then James Wan did, and then James Wan took over. Yeah, yeah, which I, I always find to be weird, yeah. but obviously worked very well for him. <laughs> In that interview, by the way, with Warner Brothers, uh, with the uh, uh, Toby Emmerich, he actually under that question about uh, why did you hire James Wan. Franchise maker, world builder, you know, look what he did with, you know, the Conjuring franchise. He made that into a franchise. He made this into a franchise. And even when he joined an existing franchise, he made the best, most successful one out of all of them, referring to the Fast and Furious. Mm. So, yeah, funny. Number that. number seven. Number seven. Yeah. I thought I'd argue, didn't eight make more money? Did it in the end? I'm not sure. I think it did. Pretty sure it made more money. Seven's a great one. Seven's the one where Stephen is the villain. Yes, yeah. That's the one where he kills an entire hospital full of people. He massacres a hospital full of humans. Right, we stop. But then we forget about it for the second movie, for his second movie, because we need him for the plot. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's, he's buddies and stuff. Yeah, and, and as long as you have a bonding moment, it, it's okay. We can forgive the, yeah, the mass like, murder. You're bald. You're like me. with family. <laughs> like, didn't... That, that hospital had to have had... Like a, 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 a neonatal unit, presumably. Mm. Like, doesn't that mean that Jason Statham murdered babies? Like, it has to be. He blew the hospital up. And yet, I still like him. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, I need to watch Blitz again. Oh, I love Blitz. Was, I can't believe I'd only seen it with, with you. I'd, I'd never seen it before. <laughs> I ran into Paddy Considine. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask me if you interfered with you? I ran into you Paddy Considine, and I only talked to him for like 30 seconds, and uh, it's like, I'm such a fan of Blitz. And then Paul's went, you're making your own movies now, you're successful enough, can you not just get that series going? And his response that was... could be a, a thing. Yeah, could his be a response was, I really don't think that many people want to see it. I went, I promise you, everyone in my life really wants to see it. <laughs> Uh, years ago, I think it was Studio Canal who distributed that. Um, yeah, it was. I, I got in touch with them and told them we were giving it the second best film of the year. Like, it was number two on our top ten of the year. Really? And uh, how many is is good? They were the only distributor who didn't reply to us, probably because they just didn't believe that anybody was insane enough to think that this was the second best film of the year. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, uh, Weinstein's lost another uh, another movie. Finally, hey, yeah, Hotel Mumbai has uh, has cleared up. But, uh, ooh, what's this? Alison Janey's got a new job. Ooh. Yeah, she does. Bad education? Mm. Presumably nothing to do with the Jack Whitehall, you know, series that became a movie. And, yeah. This is a superintendent of the school district who works the betterment of the student's education while embezzling public funds to live the life he wants. Oh, so like an actual superintendent of a school district. Okay, cool. It's called Bad Education, and apparently it's out next year. Yeah. Okay, stars Alison Janey. I'm in. So, well, that's kind of it for me, really. Uh, there's a third Sicario coming. Yeah. I don't know. What else? Uh, Cumberbatch, and Benedict Cumberbatch and Peter Dinklage are being sought for the movie adaptation of Spamalot. Really? Did you not know that? I did not know. That's great. It's good casting, isn't it? And now he's, he's taking so long for that to happen. I know! Like you, oh. I've always wondered that. But this, the thing with, uh, with Broadway shows and like West End shows becoming mm. movies is... It seems to happen less often than it realistically should. Well, they're still selling tickets. There's no, there's no point 
doing mm. the film because obviously people will be like, oh, I'll just go to the cinema and watch it. It's why we'll never, well, we will see a Hamilton film, but in we're, we're, 2050, we're going to be old and grey. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, like we're only getting wicked next year. Think, I always think wondered, how long Wicked's been out. Well, I see. I always wonder about Book of Mormon. I always thought it was really yeah. weird, especially given that it's Parker and you know Matt, Matt Stone, Trey Parker. I think they will get around to it eventually, mm. but again, whilst it's so red hot, but still. it still sells out every night, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is weird. Alan Frank has been to see that four times. I've not. I, I really want to see it. Cassie's seen it. I've not seen it once. Alan yeah. Frank has seen it four times. But, oh, uh, I think I told you this earlier. My favourite ever uh, uh, rewording of the term gender flipped this week came yes. from <laughs> Nigel Andrews, who described, uh, who, who was asking about uh, 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 Overboard and said, why, why, why was there a need to make a gender reassigned version of Overboard? Who was asking for it? <laughs> yeah. That is firmly in the realm of who exactly asked for this. <laughs> who is the audience for this? <laughs> it's just like, why? Who was sat around and thought, you know what people want? A new version of Overboard, mm. but like the other way around. And Mexican. I just wonder why the and Mexican bit. Mm. It's just, it's just, so, yeah. it's not that you, it's not that there wasn't a reason to do it. I'm sure there's a reason to do any, you know, racially there's a reason to make any version of a movie. By all means, go and make a Mexican version of Overboard. So I don't know what the set Spanish. In yeah, you can do that, and you know, English English language version set in Mexico, starring a largely Hispanic cast. That would actually be progressive in a strange way. Yeah. Why this specific one <laughs> for no relevant reason to the plot whatsoever? Is, is the um, the director a, his, a Hispanic? Do you know what it's Rob Green? What was his name? Rob, Rob Greenberg, I think. Oh, hang on, here it is. <laughs> classic Mexican name. <laughs> Rob Greenberg directed it. Yes, that 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 classic uh, Hispanic filmmaker, Rob Greenberg. You know, known for direct. No, 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 known for writing. Meet Dave. The Eddie Murphy is a spaceship. You know, quote unquote comedy. He also wrote Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. That's a great film. Which is a great that movie. Is a great film. But yeah, I mean. Uh. Yeah, strange that one. Yeah, so he wrote uh, 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 Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. He wrote uh, Spellbound, which is a TV movie apparently I've never seen. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. No, not really anything other than... Oh, mind you, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is additional screenplay material. So he did. It was like a ghostwriter on it. That, that means, like, he contributed a joke. Yeah. Yeah. That probably means, like, he, he actually... Yeah, he knew one of the writers personally. They were chatting over coffee one day. He said, you know what you should do? Have this joke in there. Do you know what it should, what it should be? Meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, listen. Cloudy with a chance of hot dogs. Yeah. It just doesn't roll off the tuna. Top. No one yeah. wants that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but Cloudy with a chance of spag bol is not going to sell tickets. <laughs> and nobody's interested. Can you imagine in an American person even saying spag bol? They'd probably say spag bol. Spag bol. <laughs> spag bol. <laughs> um, what else is there? Oh, um, it's pronounced chowder. <laughs> chowder. Chowder. <laughs> Did you hear, uh, did I don't know if we talked about this last week, Apple bought their first animated feature. No, we did not talk about it. And it's the next film from the studio that made The Breadwinner. So, oh, that looked amazing as well. Oh, Breadwinner is such a good movie. It really is. Um, uh, the, rem- the remake of Pet Cemetery has begun filming. Optimus Prime may get a spin-off movie, which, correct me if I'm wrong, that's a Transformers movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sam Mendes is going to uh, make a World War One movie called 1917. Oh. Uh, 70s, is it? Clearly, yes, yeah. Clearly, a period piece set in the nineteen seventies. Uh, yep. Did you see there is a new international trailer for The Meg? No, but we should go watch it right now. We should. We should. Um, it flashes out the plot. 
what plot is Stephen versus a big shark? Right, I'm just going to say this as well. There is a moment in the trailer in which someone refers to Jason Statham as an ex-diver. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the character. Has Jason Statham ever been a current anything? Like, he's never played a current anything, has yeah. he? He's always been dragged in to be yeah, a he's always mechanic. Again. Ex-cop, oh, yeah. ex-Navy SEAL, you know, ex-Ruthless Warlord, ex-Mercenary, ex-Assassin. Ex-Bad ex- guy that then becomes a good guy. In yeah, ex-everything. Ex, yeah. Like, I'm looking forward to when he retires so he can become an ex-actor. It's, it's you know. That'll never happen. No, it won't. I want Statham to be kicking ass into his 90s. But, uh, and, and do you know what? I'll still pay money yeah. to watch him when he is. Uh, but then uh, it'll be an ex 89 year old. I mean, Kelly Brook is an ex Statham girl, technically. So, yeah. you know. So get about it. <laughs> Jason X Statham. Uh, oh, man. If, I feel like I don't know what Jason Statham's middle name we, we just call it Jason X. Oh, my God. No, no, no. I'm we're, sorry. We're not we're topping done. that. We're done. we're done. We're done. We're not topping that. Take my headphones We're not off. topping See it. You later. Here it is, your moment of cage. All I can think about is, like, there ain't no God. He don't exist. Hey, where you going? I'm going to show you God does exist. <laughs>